Opening thoughts on a Bills dominant win and why there's some reminders that really good teams also play poorly at times. Uh, we'll go back a little history lesson. We're going to talk with TJ Hushmanzada on that game, top receivers, and some stuff from back in his playing days, and a little life advice, but it's called Kyle Advice, so enjoy. This episode is presented to you by Lululemon. The perfect pants do exist, and you can get them at Lululemon. The men's ABC pants are shockingly comfortable and breathable, and they come in tons of different styles and fabrics, all made to make you look and feel good. Whether you're in the office, at the gym, cheering in the stands, or just relaxing at home, these pants are in a league of their own. Buy a pair today at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Netflix. A gentleman always opens the door for you, but the gentlemen are just as likely to break it down and stash their drugs inside. The Gentleman, based on Guy Ritchie's award-winning film, is a new Netflix series that follows a whole new cast of criminal lords and ladies slumming it in Britain's criminal underworld. Guns out and pinkies up. Don't miss The Gentleman, now playing only on Netflix. I, like everyone else, was going to pick the Buffalo Bills. To not only win the AFC, but to win the Super Bowl. And today I feel even better about it, but it feels a little bit like, oh, so you're doing this Friday after you just watch them trounce the Rams. But yeah, that's how good I think this Bills team is. So I'll get to my Super Bowl pick at the very end of this. I'm going to tell you some good things about the Bills. I'm going to tell you some good things, not so much about the Rams just last night, but why you should never write any of these teams off that we think are at the very top because every team goes through a bad stretch. So let's start with last night's game. 31-10. Honestly, I think it could have been worse. Buffalo moved the football every time they wanted to. It was a combination of things. They didn't really need to run the football all that well, but the Allen part of it was dangerous. Uh, Josh Allen ended up hitting some bigger throws a little bit later. The best part, I thought, was the defense. Seven sacks against the Rams. That's the most allowed by a McVay McVay coach team um, in his run. Uh, the Bills D-line, adding Von Miller, who had to line up in different spots. You know, he's always usually in that left defensive end because that's just what he's done. But Rousseau, who they've spent a top pick on, he likes to be in that spot. So Miller was like, hey, look, there's all these stories leading up to it. Like, I'll go on the right side, although they did move him around a lot. Von Miller makes you wonder why everybody doesn't want Von Miller. And yes, older players, you know, it's the same thing with Arizona last year. Be like, why wouldn't everybody want to sign J.J. Watt? You know, why wouldn't everybody want A.J. Green? You know, like, it sounds really cool and your fan base gets excited, but there's a reason why the older players, you know, there's some concern. Teams just are not in the market for some of those guys. But for Vaughn Miller to end up on Buffalo with the rest of those guys in the front seven, that almost seems like it's unfair. Um, the Bills on offense, 9 to 10 on third down. Josh Allen, 26 to 31, 297. He did have the two picks. The first one definitely wasn't his fault. Receiver caught the ball, had it ripped out of his hands. And then I thought Troy Hill just made a great jump on the route that was a ball that was a little behind the intended receiver. Uh, Josh Allen looked like an MVP last night, and he has the best, well, not the best, but the highest, I guess. He's the favorite of the MVP odds. If you look at FanDuel today, he's plus 450 ahead of everyone else in the NFL. Another thing from last night, Diggs, who is a one, uh, he had a snap count last season at 86% of the snaps. Last night, 67%, eight for 122. Apparently, that's something they're going to try to do. I don't know if you can get away with doing that the whole time. And when you're up a score, but it feels like you should be up more, because even with the turnovers, I'm like, I don't know. It just feels like Buffalo has more things they can go to. And with the pressure that the Rams are having to deal with against Buffalo's front, it just never seemed as comfortable. Like a score can be close, but I'll always ask myself, like, which team feels more comfortable running their stuff? And I didn't even think it was even a conversation last night. Uh, the other part for Buffalo fans to feel excited about, Gabe Davis, who you know better than the rest of the national people, uh, but he played every snap but two and now is a legitimate weapon uh, with some of the plays that he made last night. Let's take a deeper look at this D-line. 15 hits of Stafford on 49 dropbacks. 
There's all sorts of numbers here. Like Von Miller had a 20% pressure rate. Uh, there's another number of like how quickly they were on Stafford, their average distance to Stafford amongst all the front. Like there's just all these next gen stats you can look at here. And let's put it this way. They were all amazing for Buffalo. And it makes sense because they have dumped massive resources into this unit, whether it's Rousseau, um, Epinesa, who I liked in college a lot, um, Bashan, the second rounder, who's a backup. Ed Oliver ends up leaving the game. And Jordan Phillips, who they got in free agency, steps in at defensive tackle. Um, Edmonds at linebacker, led the team in tackles. That group, you know, you could say if healthy, which we can say after every single sentence of anything spoken about the NFL, but that group, you know, it's it should be awesome. And even if it's not healthy, and it wasn't healthy last night, losing Oliver at D-tackle, they rotated different ends in at tackle. Uh, like I said, Phillips seemed to be showing up a lot on the replays. That group dominated last night. So I wanted to pick Buffalo before. I'm not doing it the Friday after as if I had all these other teams. It's funny because Cincinnati, if you look at the FanDuel odds, they have the seventh best odds to win the AFC. And then you go on the NFC side, despite my feelings for Arizona, uh, they're seventh. That doesn't feel like those top seven in the AFC don't seem like an equal match to the top seven in the NFC. So I'm going Buffalo over Green Bay in the Super Bowl. I tried to be a little different in the NFC. I wasn't. It just feels like after a couple teams, including the Rams, because I wouldn't write them off. So let's transition back to a little history lesson. If you go back last year, I looked at, I don't know, I just went with five teams. I could have gone eight if I wanted to. Let's look at five of the best teams from last year. And I would say all five of these teams are considered good teams going into the season as well. The Bills. All right. Last year, they lost to New England 14-10 to 10 in that really weird game where the weather was a major factor. I actually thought Buffalo should have just opened it up and they played to the circumstances more than they should have. They lose 14-10 to New England. A co-worker here called the Bills a fraud, uh, a bunch of frauds. 39 days later, the Bills beat New England 47-17. And by the way, the Bills, after they lost to New England, lost to Tampa in a great game in the regular season, and their record was at 7-6. and six. And again, a coin toss maybe away from getting into the Super Bowl, and who knows, maybe even winning it with the way that offense was moving the football last year. The Rams, at one point last season, were 7-1 and one, and then went to 7-4 and four with losses to Tennessee, San Francisco, and Green Bay. Stafford threw five picks, and he had, during that course of three straight losses, three of his four lowest-rated games. Now, for those that know and cover the Rams and the rumblings around it, Stafford was dealing with real injuries at one point last season where you were like, is he going to make it through this? I don't like all this elbow stuff either, but I don't know that the elbow part, because I actually liked a few of his throws last night. I think it was just pressure week one. Buffalo's up for it. By the way, the Rams had to go to a silent count at home. Bills fans took over this place. I've seen them walking around. They're just walking around the street. I don't even know if they have tickets. Um, but Bills fans were everywhere for that one. But like I mentioned with this Rams stretch where they lost three or four their defense gave up almost 32 points per game over that stretch and then allowed only over 20 points in four playoff games once Cincinnati did score 20 in the Super Bowl San Francisco pretty good team win at Green Bay still surprised probably going to say it every single time they were two and four last year now they just have a million injuries so you can't say like oh it's just the injuries I feel like they're always hurt they lost four straight from September 26th to October 24th. A team that was two and four and lost four straight won a playoff game at Lambeau. Let's take a look at Cincinnati. 
week nine, they had lost back-to-back games, including a 41 to 16 stomping by the Cleveland Browns to drop to five and four. That team made it to the Super Bowl. Kansas City, they were three and four, then won seven in a row. But at the point of them being three and four in late October, they were allowing a league worth 6.6 yards per play on defense. It was atrocious. And at three and four, they just lost to Tennessee 27 to three. And that team ended up playing in another conference championship game. So the point is, as everybody already knows this, if you love this league, there are going to be really tempting moments to dump on the best teams, or the perceived best teams. And as we know, as it all rotates out, some of these perceived best teams are just not going to have a great year. They're going to, a couple turnovers don't go their way, a couple major injuries. Next thing you're wondering why this team that we thought was one of the top four in their conference ends up being 500 and maybe even out of the playoffs. But as the season progresses and all the stories change and how tough it is to keep your unit out there and healthy and all this stuff, almost every great team has a really bad stretch where it looks like there's no chance they'll be competitive at the end of the season. So a lot of NBC, a lot of NBC last night uh, leading up to it. Always a little interested in, I don't know what's going on. Maybe I'm just getting old, but maybe it's the business. I'll be a little curious, like, oh, how are they using that person? Or, hey, how's that? Like, remember that old Sunday night football, the NBC thing where it looked like they hired the entire like football rosters have had less people. I was like, man, everybody's on this show. This is amazing, which I think is great. Great for the industry. Like more slots. Let's go. Let's go. Widen out. Let's go. Let's go 11 wide at the desk. Push the limits of what a desk or a, or a jib can even accomplish. So a lot of it's Shepard Smith, though. Uh, obviously, this guy's been in the game a long time, buttoned up, newsy as it gets. Uh, with the queen passing, he was, he was in the mix, by the way. Moment of silence. And his teases are incredible. I don't know that I like him. I don't know that I stick around. You know, greeny teases are kind of the standard because he'll trick you. He'll trick you every now and then. You'll be disappointed a lot, but he'll get you. And with Shepard Smith, sometimes I'm just like, what? what was? And I was just trying to think of like him doing NFL ones. I don't know that I can do his voice, but it's always funny whenever I think I like Brandon Cooks. It's week one of the NFL. Do you know where Brandon Cooks is? Belichick, genius or dictator? We'll talk to a professor at Smith College that has the answer. Russell Wilson has never received an MVP vote. Voter bias or election fraud? We'll examine. Lamar Jackson, his contract deadline is passed, and he has no agent. We'll talk to a current agent who believes players should have agents. If the Lakers championships from Minneapolis count in Los Angeles, does that mean St. Louis just won a Super Bowl? A geologist will make that argument. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep track of those. I can't really do the voice yet, but I'll get it. Enjoy. Kickoff week one with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up with the promo code Ryan, R-Y-E-N, to get in on the action. Then you can turn game day into payday all season long. So our bets, we're going to go three wide here, Kyle, Saruti, and myself. We're going to keep it going, running tab all season long, something on the line, using the FanDuel line. So we're going to have that later in the podcast. Play your way 
and bet on more than just the final score. Wager on everything from touchdowns to total yards to catches. You can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. FanDuel is also now live in Kansas. Don't fumble your chance to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, with promo code Ryan, R-Y-E-N. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com forward slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org forward slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT-INDIANA. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP Louisiana. 1-877-8 Hope New York or text Hope New York to 467-369 New York. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789. Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700 Wyoming or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. This episode is brought to you by Netflix. A gentleman always opens the door for you, but the gentlemen are just as likely to break it down and stash their drugs inside. The Gentleman, based on Guy Ritchie's award-winning film, is a new Netflix series that follows a whole new cast of criminal lords and ladies slumming it in Britain's criminal underworld. Guns out and pinkies up. Don't miss The Gentleman, now playing only on Netflix. Bunch of years in the NFL at receiver. TJ Hushmanzada joins us here. Uh, he also, by the way, has airing it out with Hush and Scandrick on Fubo Sports Network, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, the show streams live on YouTube every Monday at noon Pacific time and on Fubo Sports Network every Tuesday at 7. Um, we got to hang out a few times when you were at ESPN, so it's good to catch up. Uh, real simple, TJ, we'll just start here. What did you see last night? What was your biggest takeaway from the NFL opener with that Bills win? Wow, the Bills are as advertised. You know, everybody's picked. And let me let me say this. The last two years prior to the season, I picked a Super Bowl winner. Two years ago, I picked the Rams to win it all. And last year, I picked, I mean, two years ago, I picked the Bucks to win it all. And right. last year, I picked the Rams. And this year, I was like, going into the season, I'm going to pick the Bills. But everybody likes the Bills, so I'm reluctant to do that, even though I did it. The Bills are really good. And if you watch the game... Last night, it was it was different. It was short passing game. And is it because Ken Dorsey's the, now the OC? Or is it because they got Aaron Donald on that front with the Rams and they wanted to get the ball out of Josh? I don't like Josh running the ball as much, but the Bills look really good. And you got to give credit to Von Miller, Greg Rousseau, Ed Oliver. That defensive front for the Bills, they didn't have to blitz, and they were pressuring Stafford the entire game. The Rams are going to have to get some help outside of Cooper Cup. They can't just rely on Cooper Cup. You bring in Allen Robinson, use him. I believe he was – they threw him the ball twice. I'm a receiver. You throw me the ball twice in the entire game, he's a quiet guy, but he's pissed off. Use him. But I my takeaway was the Bills are really good, and the Rams are going to struggle to make the playoffs, their schedule's tough. They play the entire AFC West. They're going to struggle to make the playoffs because they're just not as good as they were last year. Other than the quarterback, I'm with you. I think when you can consistently get pressure with four, like that might be the second most important thing that you can do. And, you know, I, 
I love corners. You know, I, I love that real true number one receiver because there aren't 32 of them, even though there are in the depth chart. But to see what they did with four just changes everything because now you're dropping so many dudes. And like you said, you know, they're missing one of their receivers and it felt like, you know, at times I didn't think Stafford's elbow looked like an issue. I just thought his lack of time like that felt like we, whatever anybody wants to talk or speculate about his health. That was not a great situation for any quarterback to succeed. When you're going silent count in your home opener, um, that's a problem. And you you got to understand, on the edge, Von Miller is still explosive. Rousseau is explosive, and he's young. That, that presents a problem for you. And Matthew Stafford's elbow, it may or may not be a problem. But when you have to make it through an entire season and manage that, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be... Oh, this week it feels good. Next week it doesn't. This week up. But the Bills are just really good. Josh Allen is special, man. That dude is special. He he He's a special quarterback. And just talking with Jordan Palmer, and I've spent some time with Josh on the field the last few years, uh, quite a bit of time with him. He's a really good dude. Like, my son forced me to get a Josh Allen jersey because I took my son to work out, and Josh played catch with him and talked to him so much, he was like, can you buy me a Josh Allen jersey? That just, that stuck with my son. As soon as we got in the car, he was like, are you going to buy me a Josh Allen jersey? I'm like, God damn, Josh, you're costing me money, man. And so I brought, I bought him a jersey. And so he's a hell of a player, but he's a good person. But the Bills, <laughs> if they bring their A game, who's going to beat them? Yeah, that's what it feels like. I mean, the only thing you can look at there if you're forced to come up with some kind of weakness would be, all right, do you love the depth of corner? But I mean, then you're just then you're just nitpicking because every single team that's good, I can come up with an issue. And for that to be an issue, it may not be as big of an issue again with the depth that they have in that front. Yeah, their issue will be if you if you go back to last year. Now, last year's a different season. But if you go back to last year, their issue was, can we stop the run? Tennessee Titans. Indianapolis Colts, when you play those teams that are run-first teams, Derrick Henry, John, can they hold up and force you to throw the ball? Can they stop? To me, that will be their only Achilles heel is when they play a team like Tennessee or Indianapolis, are they able to slow the run game down and force them to throw it? Yeah, and with that front now, I don't know. I mean, I I think they have different options depending on what they want to do, and nobody really wants to run the football that much anyway. I mean, you know, other than Tennessee, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with the Colts and their offense. I mean, they're going to try to probably go Taylor first, but, like, eventually you have to find a way to throw the football now. You can't. I just don't think you can be a run-first team and go really far. So you're right. Baltimore, Baltimore, and and I didn't even bring up Baltimore. They are for sure a run-first team. I, I, that to me is the only way you can beat the Buffalo Bills unless they just have a bad day. Yeah. Like, they're good and their players are young and they have a receiver that can get open whenever you need somebody to get open. They have a quarterback that can do whatever. And, and so, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a hell of a season. I'm looking forward to it, man. I, I really am. Okay, I want to talk about Stefan Diggs because uh, I mentioned in the open like they actually cut his snap count down. I don't know if that's going to be a long term thing over the season. When you look at a true one, you know that that gets thrown around a lot with receivers. But when you look at a true number one, like what does that receiver have to have, and how does Diggs fall into that comparison? Number one, you you have to be able to get open when the quarterback needs you. When a play needs to be made, can you win? And 
There's quite a few guys that can do that, but can you do it against the best consistently and in no order? Like Diggs can do it. He's done it. He's proven that. Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup. And then you start going to the young guy like Justin Jefferson. He's young, but he's shown he can do it. Jamar Chase. There's guys that haven't shown they can do it, but I believe they can. Like guys like Jerry Judy with Russell Wilson now, with his ability to decelerate, he's going to come out and show that I can do this. DK Metcalf has done it, but now without Russell Wilson, will he still be as dynamic? And so there's just so many different variables that you look at. DeAndre Hopkins, even though he's going to miss the first six games, he's proven he can do it. There's quite a few guys that can get it done, but it has to go hand in hand. Like quarterback has to trust you. You you go to that back shoulder fade that uh Josh threw digs with Ramsey. It was actually a good coverage. He threw the ball so quickly. You can't cover that. I, I don't care who it is. You can't cover that. And, that. and that's the chemistry of playing with somebody and understanding them. But a true number one, you, you got to be able to win against the best guys on a consistent basis. So who do you think is the best guy? Like, say everything's equal, not current guy with his current system or wow. current quarterback. But if it were in a vacuum and you were just like, I want the guy that I trust the most to win and has all the things, all the qualities of a number one. I basically I'm asking you who I think is the best receiver in the NFL is, but I think I it's mean, a little bit more. I mean, the best receiver in the NFL is Devontae Adams. He, he's the best receiver in the NFL. And if I had to go number, and I, I don't like doing this because when, when you compare people, others feel like you're putting them down, but oh, well. It's not a put down. Um, I, I would say Devontae Adams. I would say Stefan Diggs. I would say Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup. And then after that, it, it's probably four or five guys um, between Justin Jefferson, DeAndre Chase. Hopkins. Yeah, you said Lamar Chase. Chase. But he, he just did it for one year. So I don't want to respect the guys that have done it for multiple years. Totally. Yeah. Um, Mike Thomas now. Him being back, he's going to insert himself back into that conversation. And, and so, though, I think now with Debo, what he did last year, now he has to kind of be inserted into the conversation. Uh, it's just the receiver position, man, is probably better than it's ever been. The guys are coming into the league so much better because they're getting better training at an earlier age. But if I had to take a guy, I'm going to take Devontae Adams just his ability to create separation at the line of scrimmage and at the top of the route. Uh, this is this is funny because you brought up Debo. Do you think they'd run you more if you were playing now? Because you were awesome on some, they didn't use you much on him, but yeah, you were terrific. Probably. And I know you, you wanted to be a running back too when you got started. You were, you were a running back. But yes. I, I, I'd love to see with your physical style and somebody get it a little bit more creative. If if you again, I'm not I'm not calling you Debo here. Maybe you are. Debo's I'm not a trying to be insecure than I am. Yeah, yeah. But, but probably the way the game has evolved. Yeah, I, I could see that happening. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys, man, that were a lot of us were running backs growing up in high school. But yes, I, I could see the way the game has evolved. But but Shanahan, he's a special play caller. If you look at it, there's not many coaches that that do that or have done that. And so he's creative. His mind thinks differently than others. And for him to put Debo in that situation kind of elevated Debo at least to others 
as far as, man, he really can do a lot. Why are you so high on Trey Lance? I've seen him out here working um, and everybody can work and he always, he will always look good in shorts and in helmets, so to speak, when nobody's rushing him. I'm just a firm believer. He, he's going to have some rough patches. It's just that if you look at what RG3 did in Washington, and, and maybe they don't follow that recipe to a T, but the, the read option and just the threat of his legs, Ayuk is going to be better. This weekend may hurt him if Kittle doesn't play because of his groin injury, but I, I just feel like he has the talent. He doesn't have the experience. I don't like the fact that Jimmy G is on a roster. I don't like that at all. Um, but regardless, there's pressure on you if Jimmy G's not on a roster. It's just a little worn now that he is on. I don't like it, but you have to deal with it. So you don't like it because it's kind of a safety valve. Like Because Trey will struggle like you'd expect most young guys to struggle. And now you think, what that just this this not haunting seems a little aggressive, but just this thing lingering in the back is an option that would just be better avoided. Is that what you're saying? Yes, I I don't believe they're going to bench him. You, you don't give up what they gave up to go get Trey Lance to turn around and bench him for Jimmy G. But in Trey Lance's mind, that's going to be in the back of his head. It's kind of he led him to the Super Bowl. Shanahan wins when he's the quarterback, and he does it when Jimmy G isn't under center that's going to be in the back of his mind that when it just, just say he's having he puts two or three bad games in a row any quarterback your your, your position is under stress you, you have to be but now with somebody that you know has been successful on the same team and the guys also know this it's just added pressure i don't like it but pressure is pressure you just have to deal with it and so if he's going to be the guy that he expects himself to be, you got to deal with it. You had mentioned uh, watching Jordan Palmer's workouts, obviously Carson's brother. I got to know Jordan a little bit through the Elite 11 stuff, and so I know you're down in Southern California. What do you learn watching these workouts, getting to know that part of the preparation? What do you learn that's different about what you learn when you're just watching a game on Sunday? Uh it's a little different for sure. I mean, because it depends on what they're working on that day with Jordan. Me and Jordan have been on the field hundreds of times together uh, with the receivers I train and the quarterbacks. Each, I mean, hundreds of times. And so it really just is dependent upon this day they're working on this. I just know when I see a guy that day in, day out, week in, week out, consistently put that work in, I expect to see results because Jordan knows what he's doing. And so if you're if you're willing to put that time in nine times out of 10, you should see results. And a lot of guys today, they're going to work hard, some more than others. But to all season comes and, and Josh is not from Southern California. And a lot of these guys are from Southern California. And so you're actually coming here to get better. That that says something. OK, so I was you know getting ready for the season and. Um, I was reading about Matt LaFleur and an Aaron Rodgers throw and a piece from Kevin Clark on the ringer. And it was like, there's this one throw that LaFleur likes and Rodgers wasn't used to it because it's like a five-step drop. And when you turn, you're kind of throwing blind. So it's like a ton of trust for that receiver on that route. But that's the way the timing is set up for us. Like, oh, that's interesting. Even Josh Allen, like last night, I see him throw low to uh, his slot receiver on the inside who kind of delayed. 
and he just threw it low. And I was like, oh, that's a great sign because the quarterbacks that figure it out, like you can't throw high towards the end zone, <laughs> just throw low. And the receiver better know that it's going to be low. There's like these minor things that not all of us understand. I was listening to Baker talk to one of the quarterbacks, and it was like Baker was making this great point about if your foot's here and you're trying to deliver the ball there, like you have to make sure you get your right foot outside of here. I was like, oh, shit, that makes sense. Like, this is really good stuff. What are some of those receiver things that you tell young receivers to come down there to train? Because, I mean, we can watch video and see guys run around cones, but what are some of those things that like, man, I wish I knew this when I first got started that you share with young receivers? Everything. I have a base of things that I do. We, we call them our everydays. We're going to do these every day. Call it, we, we call it pat our feet because that's what I did when I played. Um, but after that, it really becomes independent to each player. Like I'll watch what a guy does and I'll say, ah, okay, to me, this is a weakness in your game. This is an area. It could be, say we have press coverage. You always hear it. You want to be quick, but not in a hurry. You got to have some patience, but you got to understand this pass rush is coming. In our minds as receivers, are we really doing a release that we want to do? And well, okay, I'm going to do this. And then you watch yourself on film and you do something completely different. So just making sure we have the patience to work this release. That's at the line of scrimmage. And at the top of the route, there's so many different things that people teach. Uh, when you decelerate, you want to lead this way. You want to lead with your heel. You want to go this way and that way. Um, I have a belief that I believe in, and it's just trying to be as efficient as possible. Some guys are strong enough to really run, 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 pow, stop, slam on the brakes. And some guys just can't do it. And the guys that can't do it, that's okay because there's more than one way to skin a cat. So now we'll figure out another way to do it and you're still going to be open. So it really depends on the player and his ability to decelerate. To me, that's the biggest key as being a receiver. I said this years ago, now everybody else is starting to realize that's the key once I said it. That's the key to being a successful receiver. Can you stop? If you can run like a Ferrari and you stop like an 18-wheeler, it doesn't matter that you run like a Ferrari. That's good. Okay, so when you're coming in as a seventh rounder, you know, you put some numbers, Oregon State, but seventh rounders, man, they don't make the team. When did you know you were going to make the team? First day, day one. First day. First day. And you, you got to understand, my rookie year, we had Peter Warwick there. Anybody remember Peter Warwick? Go look him up. Best top three college football player ever. Okay, just real quick, I'm interrupting you because I have we have some time set aside for Peter Warwick, but keep going. So it's Peter Warwick on that team. Ron Dugans, who also came from Florida State. Craig Yeast, I don't know if you remember him from Kentucky. Danny Farmer, UCLA stud receiver. Chad, myself, and so Darnay Scott. So I got there, and first day, maybe I'm unrealistic, Ryan. Maybe so. I got out of that first practice, and by the way, the first practice, I got in a fight. Um, <laughs> With who? I, it was a DB. He was talking shit prior, and I just didn't like it. And so I said something to him when we fought. Well, we didn't fight. I punched him. Um. I walked out of that practice and I What said, did he say? What did he say? Did he call you like no, seventh it was, round or something? Okay, leading up, you got to get your physicals. And so, because, you know, when back then it was, they had the draft. Following weekend, you had a rookie mini camp. But the whole, with the Bengals, the whole team was there. So we're, me and Chad were walking together because we knew each other. Uh, throughout the facility, he was like, yeah, I'm going to lock some of these rookie receivers up. I'm going to lock them the fuck up. As me and Chad were walking by. 
Chad didn't say anything. So I just looked at him like, I know you're talking about us, but I looked at him real crazy. Like, I hear you and you're not scaring me. So we went to practice. He held me. I told him, don't hold me again. He said some vulgar things. He held me again and I punched him after he took his helmet off. He wasn't on the knee. He was standing up. Um, and nobody ever held me again. And, and not, at least not in practice. But after that first practice, I walked away from that with a ton of confidence. Like, I'm the best receiver on this team. Like, these dudes are not better than me. Whether that was the case or not, that's how I felt. And I thought the world of Peter Ward because I watched this dude at Florida State kill people every game. And so that gave me a sense of confidence um, seeing him and seeing everybody like, dude, I'm better than these guys. And from the first day, I, I was like, I'm good. I'm going to make this team. I have no, no concerns at all. That's just how I felt. And everybody on that team knew that's how I felt as well. Let's talk about Peter Warwick for a little bit, because I, as you, are about the same age. He is one of my all-time favorite college football players. When he was at Florida State, uh, he went up against, obviously, Florida and Jesse Palmer, who was a quarterback for the Gators. I worked with for a bunch of years at ESPN, and he tells this Warwick story where the Gators somehow got stuck with, like, a freshman on him, because I don't know, was it, it might have been an injury or whatever, and Warwick would line up and point to the corner and wave him over with his finger and be like, all right, here we go. And then Warwick would get down like with his, you know, like that old boxer stance with his hands up and then out of the break. And he's like, he just abuses. So we watched it on film and it was like horrible. And it was just Peter Warwick. So he goes forth. I know that the size wise, like he was just under six feet, like 195. His 40 was just below a four five. He was insane. He was unfair in college football. Do you have any insight for why it wasn't, you know, I know he had a couple nice seasons and I know he got hurt at the end, but why wasn't he more dominant? I think it was just the situation he was put in. Like he could play. Dub, we that's what we called him was Dub. Dub was good, man. It, it was just at that time, going to the Bengals, it was like impossible. I mean, you look, the quarterback, the receiver is dependent upon the quarterback. And that situation at quarterback just wasn't right. The entire setup of how things were ran with Cincinnati, it just wasn't right. They didn't have a quarterback that could help them. They didn't have a veteran receiver that could show them the way. And he was just put in a bad situation because had he gone to a different situation, he, he would have done in the NFL what he did at Florida State. I truly believe that. He just... Everybody wants to be drafted high. Yeah, I want to be drafted. It really matters where you go. And for him, he went to the wrong team in the wrong spot. Because had he gone somewhere different, I truly believe uh, he would have been special. And, and what you said, he he did have some good years. It's just his, his fifth year, which was my fourth year, we are playing the Jets. And that's when he, he broke his leg. And that actually was when I got my opportunity to start. And I was a starter from that point forward. Um, but he could really play. It wasn't that, oh, his this and that. He just went to the wrong team, to be honest with you. He was so nasty at Florida State, man. I just, every time they'd he be on. He changed the way receivers, like the way he would put his foot in the ground. Nobody yeah. was doing that before him. Nobody was doing that. He started that. Um, It, it kind of sucks, man, that, you know, when I train guys, I tell them about Peter Work. They're like, who's that? I'm like, YouTube him. 
I'm like, okay, you guys love Reggie Bush. Go, he's Reggie Bush before Reggie Bush. I tell him that all the time. And I don't like comparing anyone to college Reggie Bush, but that's as we're talking about Peter Warwick, I'm thinking like it was that kind of dominance. Yes. Where you're like, wait, you shouldn't even be playing at this level. And, you know, ironically enough, like I remember, you know, Reggie Bush is one of my favorite interviews ever because I remember asking him, I'm like, do you end up like, you know, however many years in his NFL career, he'd been in, he's on a second team. And I was like, do you think, this has gone the way you thought it was. And he was like, no, no, <laughs> he's like, not at all. He's like, I thought I was going to do the stuff I did at USC. I thought I was going to do it here. And it's just not the way it worked out. And it was such an awesome, honest answer. He was a little bummed, but you know, it was, it wasn't excuses. He just straight up was talking about himself being like, yeah, it's just, you know, it's a little different, but the Warwick Bush thing on a college football field is it's accurate. It, it, that's what it was. That's what it was when he was down there and, in Tallahassee. All right. I want to stay on this though, because Carson Palmer, your teammate for six seasons, he played five. He sat by Kitna. Uh, Dilfer's a buddy. He comes on the podcast every other week. And Dilfer and I talk about quarterbacks flaming out all the time. It's getting worse and worse. He's like, they're getting overdrafted. And basically he's now like they're playing too soon. I personally feel like you don't learn the job until you actually do it. But I'm now more open to the idea that maybe there is this imaginary line that's different for each quarterback of how long can you sit where we feel better about you than to get you in? Palmer sat behind Kitten for that entire year. I'm a big Carson Palmer fan. I think he's better than he's remembered. I know it got a little weird at the end, but I'm thrilled that he had the reclamation of his career and kind of just people reminded of how talented he was in Arizona. So what did you see about a guy who's a top pick sitting behind somebody like Kitten and then becoming who he became with you as a teammate? I'm biased. I also think Carson is one of the best quarterbacks to ever play just a situation, but I'm biased. But You're saying talent-wise, because obviously yeah, the resume can't. I've thrown right? with, when I was playing with all the quarterbacks that were considered the best, I was on the field and I ran routes for him. And I also ran routes for Carson the way he threw and the way they threw. It's different. But speaking of that, I, I think, Ryan, to be honest with you, man, if you're certain quarterbacks, they have a mentality of, if I have, to say a rookie, a bad year, that's behind me because it's over and I can move into this year and it's not going to affect me. Other guys and some guys that bothers them, that affects them. They can't move forward. And so you just don't know somebody's mental makeup because I'm a believer. The more you understand something, meaning the offensive system, how defenses play, the more relaxed, the more comfortable, the more confident you are in what you want to do. And so when you can sit and learn the offense inside out, watching NFL defense in practice every day and start to process it, even though you're not playing, I don't think that's a bad thing. But we live in a instance, we, we live in a microwave society. When you put the food, it's done right now. Sometimes if you're going to barbecue, it has to marinate and then you got to cook it for 12 to 16 hours. But we want everything out of the microwave. I don't believe a quarterback sitting is a bad thing. I actually believe it's the best thing for him. And that's why I also believe Trey Lance is going to do well because he sat. He should understand the system. He should understand how defenses want to play. Are you going to struggle? Yeah. But it, I don't care who you are. When you learn a new system, it's hard. It's different. You're going to call a play. And you might forget something and you're going to relate back to what you did in college with that same play because everybody runs the same thing. We just call it different. 
And, and so I have no problem with a quarterback sitting. I actually think it's better for him. There's certain cases where, hey, you should play, but for the most part, I believe you should sit. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us today, man. I really appreciate it. You know, I'm a big fan. Uh, TJ Hushmanzada, remember, airing it out with Hush and Skandrick, Fubo, and YouTube. I appreciate it, man. I like your room in the background. Go play some golf. I see your Nike bag right there waiting for you. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Before we get to this edition of Life Advice, a.k.a. Kyle Advice for today's episode, uh, we're just going to do a gambling competition with the three of us. You know, We're throwing out picks all the time. Let's keep track of it. Three guys, three amigos, one NFL pick every week. You know, all right? It can be, it can be a total. It can be a side. We're just going to do one pick. Um, maybe we'll change it a little bit later with the parlays or whatever. We, you know, we'll figure it out. But for this week, at least week one, we just pick whatever we want. All right? So we'll keep track of it. I don't know what the bet's going to be yet. You mean like the payout? Like who wins your kind of thing? Is there, yeah, is there like a competition here? Like do we get There's gonna dinner? Be, just, yeah. Yeah, maybe, dinner. Yeah. Ryan frolic room. To, yeah. Yeah, exa- yeah. Yeah, we can if, bring if whatever you want win. to frolic room. There's no food there. there so there's no, there's no limit. We get a pizza. We can get Chinese food, burgers, whatever you want. Salads. What Frolic Room makes all those, or they let no, you get no delivered kitchens. there? There's no kitchen, so it's totally fine. I think they can make popcorn if you ask, but they really don't like when you ask. So, <laughs> like, you could bring whatever food you want in there. It's, it's a kind of a free for all. Is the Frolic Room for sale? Do you want me to find out? Space. Yeah, right. ask them how much it would cost. Put a group together. Place. Although I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I want to open myself to that kind of liability. <laughs> it's fair. Uh, Do you order pizza to the Frolic Room, Kyle? Is that like a thing? Uh, it's been done. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely been done. I usually just go out and get something walking distance, but this isn't the segment. This isn't the segment. You're right. This isn't the segment. We're each giving out picks here. Uh, Kyle, why don't you go first? It's your day. I want the I want the under in the uh, Patriots Miami game. Okay, you get a total for us. Minus one fifteen. Oh, so you're playing money line on the under. I'm just wondering yes. if you could give us the over under. What's number. the total? Oh, 46 yeah. and a half. Okay, just- there you go. Forty six and a half on FanDuel. <laughs> Thank you. Just so everybody can. <laughs> I don't care what it is. It's just gonna be. A, it's gonna be a slow game. They're gonna grind it out. Under. Look it up yourself, dude. I just yeah. want the under. <laughs> <laughs> we are off to a rocking start on this segment. Okay, Sarudi, what do you get? I'm gonna get weird uh, on the first one because I know how much fans do love same game parlays. Uh, so uh, okay, so we're just going for it, company man. It. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I'm gonna do the alt spread. I'm gonna take the Giants plus seven and a half against the Titans. I kind of like, I'm kind of buying into like, could the Giants be sneaky decent this year? Maybe I'll be wrong. We'll find out week one. Uh, so I'm going to do the alternate spread Giants plus seven and a half and then the under, the all uh, total as well, under 51 and a half. That's about even money. So I don't think there's gonna be a lot of scoring that game. I think Giants keep it close. All right. I like what you did there. By the way, if you look at the schedule crossover stuff, you know, whatever you believe on the strength of schedule projections, because things will change. But the NFC East has the easiest one. 
So that played into the, some of their totals as well. All right, I'm going to go with the uh, public fading. So I was looking up all the public money this morning, uh, and I'm, I'm just straight up giving Van Pelt the credit for it because after doing it for six years with him, um, it, it kind of works out. The picks always sound awful, uh, but it plays out a little bit better than you think. So some of the public plays here, I did give out one of the earlier ones. I gave out the Steelers plus six and a half at Cincy. There's actually not, it's 58-42 on the public money on, on Cincinnati there. So that's not as exaggerated as I thought it was going to be. The other biggest public plays, the Ravens minus 6.5 against the Jets. 86% of the money is on the Ravens. The Jets are obviously home. That opened at 4.5. Um, another heavy favorite for the public money is New Orleans minus 5.5 against Atlanta. But the biggest one is 88% of the money is coming in on Denver Minus six and a half at Seattle. That opened at minus four. It's it's minus six and a half. So actually give me Seattle plus the six and a half uh against Denver in a game nobody is picking Seattle. And like I said, almost, you know, nine out of ten bets. Or on the Broncos. Game. Revenge game. Revenge, revenge game for who? Maybe Geno Smith's like enough <laughs> of this fucking Russell Wilson That's guy. Right. <laughs> it's, it's my time. My time. And again, that number is not all the money. That's just the that's the number of bets, so not not the handle on that one. So I could adjust it a little bit later on. But uh, there you go. All that stuff's on FanDuel, so check it out. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Okay, it's going to be Kyle advice. Rudy's going to bounce. So we appreciate you sticking around. You're doing what? A wedding? Bachelor party or something? <sighs> yeah, I'm in Hull, Mass. Nice place on the water. Uh, but your boy at the rehearsal dinner left his credit card at the bar last night. So I got to bounce. <laughs> you guys enjoy, Kyle. Have fun. It's going to be a great time. weekend. Get out of here, pal. Great star. Just to cheer you up with leaving the credit card behind, I went to a strip club. You know where it is, Rudy. Want to exit before what? ESPN? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went no 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 do you, you remember that strip club on I do the I know southern, what you're talking about the southington yeah. exit yeah and i didn't you know it it wasn't i think i went one time ever when i lived in the hotel and actually uh a couple girls from work were like we want to go let's go and i was <laughs> yeah. like all right we'll go and he took a took a taxi over there went and one of them got hammered and then she texts me the next day and I was like, how's it going? She's like, that's one of the worst times I've ever had. She's like, I had to go daytime to that strip club on that Southington exit to get my debit card yeah. during the day. And I was like, all right, you, live you know what the thing is? It all works out. No one cares. Yeah, we'll be fine. There you go. I'll, I'll clean right. up a little bit. I'll catch you guys later. All right. See you, buddy. Right. Sounds good. Later. <laughs> Life advice. RR at Gmail. Uh, Let's go. Let's go. All right, Kyle, are you excited for this? Yeah. Yeah, this is great. I, I guess. I don't know. I feel like there could have been a lot of joke emails coming in. But uh, I don't no, know. No, there's a lot of sincere ones. ones and there's, ones, so. Yeah. Th there's a lot of people that, by the way, as I've now looked at the inbox for the first time forever, there's so many ones where they're talking about you and Saruti. And people are just mad anybody's giving you guys a hard time. So <laughs> oh, a little ego, little ego boost for you. Before the weekend starts. All right, here's a very sincere one. Uh, love the show from Central Connecticut. Whenever you sort of that place we were talking about. 
I don't remember the name of it. Uh, the setting of some of Ryan's early life experience, a more recent ESPN chapter. Uh, we just dropped our son off at Marist College a few weeks ago, Ooh. and I'm dying to get some Kyle advice about do's, don'ts, suggestions, et cetera, about the city of Poughkeepsie and surrounding area. Thanks for all the hard work uh, and refraining from hot takes. All right. So there you go. Well, it's this is the do's and don'ts for the parents, right? This isn't this isn't like, hey, what should I tell my son? He'll figure that out. You can't tell your kid anything anyway, right? Uh, I think it's him maybe relaying this to his son. I don't think it's about because the, they're not going to be there very often. I mean, basically, that's a drop off. If your parents are coming to visit you at college all the time, you're like, all right. Man. I mean, some people love it. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder. Maybe uh, I don't know how far away you are, but if it's Maris, you probably went from somewhere far. Okay, yeah. do it this way. Think of it this way. You're talking to their kid. You're in the car with them, hyping him up or telling him how to handle Oh, okay, great. Well, there's it's, it's a seasonal town, which is great, which means that every every season there's a couple things to do to just to get out of your college bubble, which is great. You got the Dutchess County Fair in September. Um, so like, I mean, you probably missed that, but then there's Riverfest and then you've got, um, there's all these like, uh, cultural festivals. If you want to, if the parents are in earshot, I'd be telling them about that. And then, um, once they go away, I'd be like, all right, there's a very specific way that I think you should do the bars. Um, but again, I never went to college in the town, so I don't know what outsiders think of it, but I, I think there's like. 15 bars in a town, which honestly, I think I've been to a, a pretty, some college towns that have a lot more bars, but I mean, I think just find your one. That's, that's my, that's my goal. It was, even in college, I was like, there was like four, four or five in Potsdam, New York. Wasn't too many. I found my one and I stuck to it. And I think you get a lot of cachet by doing that. Um, and, and you're right by Vassar. So you can always fuck around in Vassar. And then, um, if you want to slum it, this Dutch community college out there, always some cool kids hanging around there. Um, so you are in a college town, Culinary Institute of America is right there. I think it's one of their five campuses that they have. So, I mean, you, it's, I think it's really easy to be like, well, what the fuck is Poughkeepsie? But what it is, is heaven. And you're, I'm just, I'm so happy that, that your college town is my hometown. Oh, and stay out of the North side, stay on the South side. All right, not to start off confrontational here, but in the beginning, you were essentially saying, like, maybe check out a local flyer and see what events are going on. Well, yeah, because that's there's, what I miss about about. There's being no there. college kid. There's no 18 year old in the world who'll be. Well, well, hold on. His parents, his parents just dropped him off, and I'm in the car. Right, you just said I'm in the car with his parents. I'm, I want to. I want the trust of both parties. So there's tons of great stuff to do by the Hudson River. That's what I would say. But college kids don't do any of these things. Like nobody's going to a multicultural center. Nobody's going to go like, hey, hey, you guys, before you, we play video games, you want to check out the Culinary Institute, whatever down the street. Like I'm just I'm trying to I feel like there's another layer of Poughkeepsie, although you did tell him to just if you're going to drink underage, stay at one place, um, which is a pretty good chance the way college bars work. Mahoney's, there's always the, like, one there. place that does get in uh, there, Mahoney's, uh, and then head just, over to Noah's. Just call them out. The <laughs> license people over there. Uh <laughs> All right, let's jump to another one. This is weird, me going first. Usually I have a couple minutes to think about what I'm going to say. Usually take about five to seven. Well, we can, we can, do, we can do this however you want to do it. No, no, no. Let's, I, well, let me try the driver's seat again. All right. I won't hit the cones. Uh, don't hit the cones. That was good. Good line there. Thanks. All right, this is about beating up high schoolers. <laughs> hmm. All right, five eight one eighty five. Frequent, frequently mistaken for being in the military. Uh, the haircut, I bet. He's he's he sent a picture. I can see that. Work out my home gym six times a week. I'm the fit guy in my group of friends. Uh, picture of me with my youngest daughter. Yeah, look, totally get it. 
And also, yeah, I see why the military thing happens. Recently, my wife, two daughters, they're one and two, 16 months apart, met the in-laws at a rental house in Florida for a quick, relaxing trip. We live in Michigan. Uh, my in-laws are the best and were willing to watch the girls for us every night to allow my wife and I to sneak away for a quick date. As mentioned, uh, they're the best and made the trip very relaxing, all caps, until. My wife and I went to the community hot tub at the high-end resort where the rental house was located. We're having a great time, laughing, talking, and generally just relaxing with a couple other people in the hot tub, maybe five of us together, three adults, two young kids. We didn't know anyone else. This is when a high school kid, boy, high school boy, maybe 5'5", five, five, 120. So 120 tells me he's not a senior. 120 tells me he's, you know, freshman, sophomore. I'd say sophomore, probably. Maybe. Right. He, he's not a senior if he's 120. Okay. Um, my uh, jumped into the hot tub unexpectedly doing a cannonball splashing everyone my wife was wearing her glasses had to take them off try them off etc annoying but no big deal at that point the high schooler snickered at everyone about his cannonball and splashing everyone my wife measured her glasses got wet was drying them off when the boy looked directly at me and asked who i was alleging he thought i was someone he knew i directly told him i didn't know him and he was mistaken he then asked who my wife was is she your girlfriend? I told him she was my wife. Uh, that is when he verbally started berating myself and my wife, making sexual reference. My wife wanted to call security. I told the boys we didn't know him and to leave us alone. Uh, my wife asked him, where are your parents? He quickly disengaged. He was then joined by two of his buddies, also high schoolers, and they continued to curse, talk about girls sexually and drugs in front of my wife and the other people in the hot tub, not directly at my wife, but just speaking amongst themselves, being loud and obnoxious. Well, I think I handled the situation as a whole well and calmly. Uh, at the time, it clearly ruined the relaxing atmosphere in the hot tub, and I was pretty tense for the next half hour. Totally understandable. That tenseness when you think it's going to go down. I'm assuming Steve would have had something witty to say to the punk, punk high schoolers. Maybe Kyle would have grabbed a bat, but I'm curious how all three of you would have played the situation out. What's the play here? Beating up three high school kids with the idea of drowning one. <laughs> that was the first thing that went um, through my head when he cannonballed right, in. Did, did cross my mind. Um, it would have been quick work, but making the Florida news <laughs> while on vacation didn't seem like a good call. Getting witty with them would have just continued a verbal battle. To make it clear, my wife and I never felt in physical danger. Uh, if I was another male or by myself, the thought of following them home crossed my mind. But being on vacation with my beautiful <laughs> wife, trying to enjoy some time together, what's the play? At what point and how do you deal with these punk high schoolers? Ryan, maybe you have some experience with this on the courts. Appreciate the help. Yeah. See, the problem is they're definitely younger. Because they know they're going to get away with just being total assholes. And they have, like, they already clearly have no regard. This is not this guy's first rodeo of being a shithead. So he's, he's banking on the fact that he's going to get away with this whole thing because he's not 18. And, you know, most people, despite your frustration, I think a lot of people can relate to you. I also think 99% of the people are just not going to do anything. I'm going to beat up, you're not going to beat up a 15 year old kid. Um, you know, the only way you could ever do anything and maybe justify it is, you know, he started putting his hands on somebody and that's it. And then, you know, then at that point it's on and you hope, you know, people deal with it the right way and the headlines aren't misleading and all sorts of stuff. So Kyle, go ahead. Uh, I think these are just the worst people to get involved with. Like, I think, I think there should be some sort of workaround, but there isn't. And that's why I just kind of, I kind of stay away from like te a group of teens as a whole, because I mean, what I wrote down in the notes is teenage shithead. I just put notes for each life advice. And you you said shithead. I wrote down shithead. This guy's thinking shithead. They're teenage shitheads. You can't tell them anything. And they pretty much know where they stand, at least in today's day and age. I think they know where they stand. Like, well, this guy can't really do anything to me or, you know, 
he'll be in the news for hitting a 15-year-old or whatever. And Florida teens, I wouldn't be fucking with Florida teens. They're the last teens I'd be fucking with. But I just think it's one of those things where like you can't, you can't do anything physically and they can, and I feel like teenagers have a way to get under your skin like kind of nobody else can because maybe they, like they just, sometimes, I don't know, it just makes my skin crawl. The, the, the shit that they do and then when they know they pretty much have a pass to do it. So I just would stay away from them. Like I might even have just got out of the hot tub if they're like, if this group, this black cloud of teenagers is coming into this, I think maybe hot tub time is over for me. Uh, while while I would have the same thoughts about that this guy had about shit flashing through my head of maybe I could drown this guy or whatever. It's just like, it, it, there's really no, there's no outcome where everyone like, where you're going to feel like, well, he learned a lesson because A, he didn't. And B, you can't even tell your friends you beat up a couple teenagers. Like, it's not even a cool story to tell one time. It's a, yeah, so it's right. just like, and then and then in the eyes of the law, it's not like a, it's a fucking man versus man. It's a man versus child. So I just, I say it whenever I see a group of teen, like I'll cross the fucking street if there's a group of teenagers running around. Not because I'm scared, just because I feel like I'm kind of boxed in what I can do as far as retaliation anyway. But I'm not even talking about throwing punches. I just mean anything. And uh, I feel like they're a lot wittier with uh, with the stuff they can say anyway. So I just, I stay yeah, away the, from teenagers as a whole. The verbal zinger maybe feels, makes you feel better. I don't know if anything, the only thing I could think of that would maybe work, but there's no way your wife's going to let you do it is if there's like one of those inflatable pool noodles lying around, you know, those like really soft things. And I would just, I would just follow the guy around and tap him in the forehead with it. <laughs> and then just, uh, just try to reverse it. You know, you're not doing anything harmful to him. But if it takes 30 minutes of doing it, just 30 minutes, if he goes to the concession stand, just sit there and, and the kid's going to freak. Be like, why are you doing this? And you can just be like, why do you keep bumping into the noodle? Why do you keep bumping into it? Why do you keep bumping into it? I'm not doing, I'm not even doing anything. You're hitting it. And just like go to his 15 year old, go 12 on him. <laughs> right. Go 12 on him. So you can't, you can't get in trouble. That's great. And then if he tells on you, you can just be like, yeah, actually, this is what this shithead did. Yeah. And now he keeps bumping into my noodle. I'd like do it in front of the cop or the security guard. That's and then you have to have a special you know, brand of wife to get away with that. I think. <laughs> yeah, Date no ruins. wife, Date no ruins. wife. <laughs> There's not one female listening to this. It's like, hey, that's a great idea. I'm just trying to think anything outside the box that you yeah. can do. Where you can't really get into trouble, but you just to like go the opposite way with them. Like if they sat down and got food, like sit down on their chair right next to him, start eating his chips. Be like, hey, you, you want to party? I would say, I would say, look at videos of an old man whooping teenagers' ass, and then just think about what well, that could have been. You, there's some, there's some great YouTube videos about like an old guy who's fed up with like four teenagers on a train or something. Just, just, just YouTube that. Be like some of them. Yeah, that happened outside of the, the one of the bars. I the one I managed a couple WWII guys. Just fucking these young kids started giving them shit. They were college kids, and they worked them. Like up on the hood of cars that's and awesome. stuff. I mean, that's it was, what I like. That's what I like. Yeah, and the other guys were like, "Man," and you know, the guys were being punky college kids, and um, somebody else was like, "Yeah," he's like, "They were wrong," and those guys just didn't care, and they <laughs> beat the shit out of them. <laughs> yeah, the kids still went out though, because then they were kind of like, "What happened to you guys?" They're like, super embarrassing, but like two old guys beat us up. <laughs> that's the shit I like. So watch a YouTube yeah. video of that. You'll feel better. Some of them get with Okay. Let's do another one here. 29 years old, six foot, 200 pounds, 205 squat with four sets of 10 reps. Ask the grass. It's getting low, folks. Wow. Uh, he's a depressed Kings fan. 
okay. Sacramento, not L.A. First off, I want to thank you for taking the time to read this. I decided to take advantage of the $3 tickets on National Cinema Day. Oh, that was recent. Happy Nat. I guess that passed. Sorry if people didn't have that in their calendar. Um, he, want, he spent his Saturday afternoon to see Bullet Train alone. Oh, I heard that was good. This is my second time going to the theaters alone. First movie being uh, Toy Story 4 at the theater in Reno while killing time during a work trip. Movie theater was packed, had assigned seating. I sat next to this couple who were probably around the ages of 17 and 19. Just dealing with a lot of teenage yeah. angst yeah. today. <laughs> Kyle, people know Kyle is in his 20s, right? Do I give off the vibe uh, that I go around smacking teenagers? <laughs> Do you get that from me? <laughs> I think you would. I don't think you would. Uh, have a lot of patience with somebody screwing around. Well, I tell you what, I've got I more know. to lose these days. I think a couple of years ago, I'd be like, ah, you know what? I'm just a PA at the ringer. Well, I could lose all this. I'll go back to working outside. Right. Now I got shit to lose. So, um, yeah, that's fair. I, you know, whatever. I, I know you, uh, you have your shit together far more than maybe sometimes a perception of the show. Anyway, staying with the email, the movie started and they were still talking, but in a whispering tone, it was 10 minutes in and the girl pulled out her phone and started texting. I was kind of getting annoyed. Well, you should be annoyed. It's annoying. Uh, as they were still whispering here and there. I was thinking of politely asking them to save their discussion for an hour and a half so I can enjoy Bullet Train in peace. I decided not to say anything because I didn't want to be that guy. Another 10 minutes had passed and they're still whispering and then proceeded to do some light kissing. The kissing was loud enough for me to hear it <laughs> and distracted me from the movie. It seemed like every little thing set me off with these guys and I was just anticipating them to talk continuously so I could say something. They were whispering and kissing here and there throughout the whole movie, and the audio was loud enough where it started to drown it out. So there's that. If I had a friend with me, I would have asked if I should say something to this couple. Like, I would want to know, is it me that's getting ticked off with the smallest things, or are these guys a nuisance to the audience? So what do you guys think? You think I should have spoke up and told them to kindly shut up? Um, side note, I actually enjoyed the movie. Lots of nice violence and action. And can you tell Bill to stop ripping Sacramento? Can't help you with that. Can't part. do anything about that. Okay, so seventeen to nineteen year old whispering, texting—you know the deal. But the making out part, and I'm imagining these are kind of the lounger chairs, which makes it far easier for the making out. <laughs> yeah, probably. And now here, here's where you're at. So, how would you handle it? Uh, I, I don't ever want to be the shusher. That's for sure. That's for sure. Um, Nobody does, especially to again. I told you, I, I avoid teenagers like the plague. So I. Uh, Fuck. I mean, here's the problem is you probably have assigned seats in this this new age movie theater. You probably have the assigned seats. It's probably not as simple as just like, oh, I'll go find it. You're a, you're a, you're a solo. He can't. He already he already pointed that out. He said it was packed and it was assigned. Yeah. So okay. Not an can't do that. Um, I don't know. I think uh, I would have I would have maybe tried to like look at exactly what was going on and try to say something funny to make them uncomfortable enough to stop. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it's always easier said than done to do this stuff. <laughs> Uh, especially speaking up in this situation now, you're going to be disrupting other people as well. Um, and I mean, just the plain old, shh, you don't want to do that. I don't think that's even allowed anymore. So I, I don't, I think I probably would have just suffered through it. Um, unless, you know, maybe you could start talking to them about the movie, something like, uh, wow, holy shit, you see that explosion or something? I think you guys might have missed that. Just want to make sure you get, I don't know. I don't know. Again, it's so much easier said than done, but I would have just, I think it's okay that you did nothing. I don't think I can honestly say I would have done something. I'd like to hear what your funny thing is, because I think that's the only route you can go here is something funny and uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, this is the only thing I'm thinking of is the previous email, just trying to do something 
that makes you have to make them more uncomfortable than you are to try to conform yeah. back to society somehow. <laughs> yeah, because I don't want, I'm not telling on them. No. And I'm not telling this guy, stop, like, it. hey, <laughs> stop it now. You know, <laughs> probably both live with their parents. Yeah, definitely. You know, everybody's been, you know, late teens in the movie theater, or maybe things didn't work out that well for you and took a lot longer. But then if you're 40 making out of the movie theater, I don't know what you're doing. Um, but if you are, <laughs> you know, glad that spice is still there for you. You know, I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, yeah, I mean, you could, you could, for your own personal amusement, just start talking. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Oh, something to break up the right? kissing. Yeah. Yeah. Be like, oh, my God, this is pretty good. Like, right <laughs> as they're making out. Because at this point, the movie's ruined for this guy. I mean, I guess he did still enjoy it. But the part of it that you're getting pre-annoyed with each transaction that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And that's that's an awful experience. Like, you, you know, trying to study storyline, character arc, although Bullet Train might be a little bit more. I don't know. <laughs> I, I didn't see it. So I don't know if it was like super complicated. But, you know, there'd be another movie where I'd be like, wait, what's going on? Because I'm already so annoyed. Like I have extra annoyance when stuff isn't even happening because I'm just waiting for the next time yes. they're going to annoy me. Yeah. So you cannot tell on them. You cannot jam up the scenario, but you could just for your own personal amusement. Just start asking him about stuff, you know? Wait, is this like, guy hey, from before? <laughs> like, is this yeah. the guy from yeah, before? Yeah, that'd be great. Wait, I thought they, he's, oh, he's on their is side? Is that the kid from Stranger Things? <laughs> he's on their side? Oh, I see. Yeah, I mean, they don't, they don't care about how you feel. So, so there you go. Now, granted, you're going to ruin the movie even more so, apparently. But yeah, that would be good. That would be good. And just start saying, like, lines, be like, you know, like, I'm Kaiser Sosa. <laughs> Like, what the fuck? <laughs> All right. Uh, Great. Good stuff, Kyle. That was a success. Very good. Thanks. Was this that your was way good. of making we'll up with again. me? Was that it? Was this a, like an olive branch? Just thought it was a, it was a, I thought it was a tougher week than it should have been for you. <laughs> oh, shucks. Okay. Yeah, I did okay. No, the, football's the back, big, so you can't bring me down. Big cat crossed the line. <laughs> he did. It was weird. I don't know if it was a line crosser. He's definitely a line stepper. I didn't know stepper. he was doing that. He's definitely a line stepper. I think I think he crossed the line a little bit, and I I thought there was a I'd sensed something that was a little different in the aftermath of that because you were kind of like, dude, and I went, yeah. I go, you know what? I don't I don't think that should have been shared because it was it was a very it was by the way it was a sincere totally and it was a really nice thing it was a <laughs> yeah, nice right. thing that you were asking about so and then it kind of got turned into like you being made fun of for doing something wrong when in fact what you were doing was something really incredible for your coworker doing my best. Uh, what, so there you go. So yeah, I uh, I don't know. I, I'm probably going to do a little bit better than having you answer three emails, but we'll work <laughs> on it. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks to Kyle and Steve. Ryan Rosillo podcast. Ringer Spotify. Uh, that'll that'll I don't I don't fake tease today. <laughs> <laughs>